My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 557. Turns out three prime numbers, which is exciting. Right, sweetie? To you, yes. To you. Um, Let's. Um, can I make one comment about this show? Before I even start my intro? Of course. Because I hope this show is not buffering, because didn't we have a buffering issue? That was issue? one of my announcements. Okay, go ahead, please. We've been having some Apple buffering issues, so uh, please be patient with us. Brad, our webmaster, is trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, we've got a lot of really good feedback on podcast number 555. Um, basically, it was... Um, us being in the car and having a good engagement with our daughter and how it could have gone sideways if Kathy wasn't in the car with me and my daughter. And everybody's like, God, thank you for doing that podcast. Could have helped me a lot. So anyways. Um, but then we also found out from a lot of people that it was buffering and hard to yes. listen to. So that's frustrating to have an impactful podcast that then people are struggling to listen to. So just know that we're on it and um, we're we're working on it. And be patient, be with, patient us with us as best you can. Um, so, uh, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, um, conspiracy theories? Well, I think we're going to, we're not going to discuss conspiracy theories no. just for the sake of it. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about why people are focusing on conspiracy theories, what we can do about it, mm -hmm. um, how we can talk about it, how we can relate to it and understand it. And when I say understand it, I don't mean be okay with it. Mm. I mean, have some reflective and respectful discourse as you and I always try and do with people around it, because there are some really, there's some human, very human needs Psychological. around why people invest in conspiracy theories. And if we can understand that, then we can have a better conversation about why we can be better at critical thinking. Got because it. Um, it really isn't... It, it At this point, it's always harmful in its own way. But right now, conspiracy theories are very harmful. Yes. We're hurting people. Yes. And some people who spread the conspiracy theories are hurting themselves Many of them, and we're not going to go through all of these stories, but people who were saying, I'm not going to wear a mask and are now sick and in the hospital. Like, we're hurting our communities. We're hurting each other. We're hurting ourselves. So we have to be, and it's beyond just this pandemic. Sure. It's, again, we're going to tap into the human elements of it. But first, uh, Team Zen, um, sign up. It's a community of like-minded parents who need support and give support. We did a Zen Talk last Friday, I think. Zen talk number 97, and a few things we talked about was COVID, Alzheimer's. One of the team, team members has a parent who's uh, challenged with Alzheimer's, and then meltdowns for three-year-olds. Yeah. Um, and we have another Zen talk this Friday. So if you're interested, we'd love to have you. 25 bucks a month. First month's free. Enter the coupon code FRIEND. Anything else you want to talk about, Team Zen? Just to join, if you're feeling like you don't have community or that you don't have people to talk to or that will listen to you or that you need resources, it's just, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, the mostly because of the people who are on Team Zen. They're just really amazing, beautiful people, and they're really supportive and encouraging. And if you need community, we have one. And I think we have, we have about 115 or 120 members. Uh, five of them are men. Yeah. The other 110 are women, and I'll take the five. Yeah, I'd love that to grow. Grow from there. And if you join, of course, your partner could join for free. I mean, that's 
Right. goes without saying. A lot of people are like, can I let my partner listen yes, to these podcasts? Of course. I'm like, of course. Yeah. And get them on our Facebook page. Like, we're not trying. It's, I mean, of course, it's our business, but it's it's more about getting community. Yes. So um, so bring, bring yourself in. So before you start, I just want to say that this is, we've had, this is our third idea of the day for this podcast, which is funny. Um, I wanted to talk about Khalil Gibran's poem on children, and then you wanted to talk about something else. And like this, just I said, John Oliver has this um, conspiracy theory on YouTube. Not conspiracy theory. He did a show about conspiracy theories. Okay. L- uh, last week tonight. Last week tonight, which is a show that I usually watch on YouTube. Um, so, anyways, Kathy's like, let's talk. Let's talk about this. This is important. So, I'm going to turn it over to you, my darling. Well, and because Todd, like Todd said, we, you know, he was like, let's do this, and I'm like, let's do this, and then he told me about John Oliver's uh, show from this weekend, and I was like, okay, that's like the twelfth thousandth sign I've gotten to like talk about this oh, on the show. You're trying to be open to the universe. I am, and which in itself, people can be like, oh, that's made up stuff. That's mm. what's so interesting about this conversation is that I think that what critical thinking, what critical thinking is in this situation is realizing who things, why we do things and who it affects. That's psychology. The psychology. So my point is, is that I have been wanting to talk about this because I am seeing so much online from people um, that I care about very much, who are people, you know, friends, you know, people from my past, um, who are talking about certain conspiracies and, you know, you know, basically getting all this like thumbs up and agreement, and then videos are being shown eight million times, and and we have to speak up about this, but we can do it from a place I believe respectfully and reflectively and understanding and reflectively means understanding why people do things like, Oh, I can see why I could go down that rabbit hole. I could see why that could happen. And so we can relate rather than point a finger and say, you're a horrible person. Well, and I just want to say you're already way ahead of this, the the curve in this because I find myself whenever anybody I know or somebody I know knows somebody who believes in a lot of these conspiracy theories, I'm very quick to be dismissive. And judgmental. And judgmental. Right. And it's because I have clients who believe them. Mm -hmm. I have friends who believe them. I have older friends like from my, you know, my college days and my high school days who believe them. So these are people that I care about and I know their background. And so I'm kind of like, okay. We got to talk about this because this, so one of the things I wanted to start with was when I was growing up, um, when you would go into the grocery store, there was always this newspaper kind of next to the star. World Weekly News? Yes. Yes. You remember it was called Weekly World News. Yes. I totally remember that. Okay. So my dad used to love that newspaper. I got to Google that. And let me explain why. He would love, he'd say, Kathy, look at that newspaper. And you'd look at the headlines and it would be a bunch of pictures of like aliens fighting with people or, you know, a spaceship that had come down that like nobody knows about, but only this one farmer. Can I read a few? Sure, go ahead. I just Googled it. Yeah. Garden of Eden found. Yes, we found it. Alien and slammer after fistfight with Bill over Hillary. Like, stop there. Right. An alien yeah. is in the slammer. So right. apparently an alien got arrested. Yeah. in prison. After a fist fight with Bill Clinton over Hillary Clinton. Right. Like, I don't know if it can get any... Hillary Clinton adopts alien baby. Correct. 
These like it's it's very interesting. So here's why I wanted to start with this because my dad would not only point them out, but on Father's Day uh, most years I would buy him a copy, mm-hmm. and he would look through it. And it reminds me of my dad because then when my dad was hospitalized a lot, I would always bring like a bag and always bring a weekly World News. Now I did we did it kind of as a joke. Well, not kind of. We did it as a joke. But my dad would always say to me. After he would open it, and he'd always say the same thing. He'd say, now, Kathy, this is funny, but you know that some people believe this, mm-hmm. don't you? And I'd say, yeah, 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 whatever. And he's like, no, some people really believe this. Like, we're looking at that as kind of like a humorous, like almost like a, um, you know, like a funny book or, so, you know, like we're looking at it for the humor. Comedy. but so, Comedy, thank you. But some people are looking at it for information. And I kind of was always... <sighs> passive about that. I was like, yeah, whatever. Well, I, as, as usual with a lot of things, uh, my dad was right. And there mm-hmm. are things that people believe. Um, and just remembering that conspiracy theories are not driven by facts. Mm-hmm. They're, they're driven by people. Yes. People drive them. Okay. And they're not driven by facts. They're driven by emotions. Yep. So these conspiracy theories are not because we have a bunch of information or like science or like a bunch of photo, real photos. I mean, people make up pretend photos. It's not because we have all sorts of news outlets saying this is happening. It's because there's an emotional investment. It's meeting the needs of somebody's. I don't know makeup. So. Well, it, it's me. It's it's emotionally driven. Let's yes. just say that. Okay. And one of the parts of it, and this is what I find with a lot of the, um, it's women that I usually talk to about this, and it's been many conversations. Is there's this feeling of they have information I don't have. Mm-hmm. Like they almost like when I bring up things and I ask questions, like, well, what about this? They look at me like they feel sorry for me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Kathy, you don't get it. Yeah. You don't get how big this is. You don't get how deep this goes. And when I ask questions and I think, you know, I believe I'm respectful in those moments. I am not, I I really do believe that to have conversations and to help people see something different, not to get them to my side or to win, but to help them see or think critically, you have to maintain a conversation. And if you just... Dismiss them or judge them. Especially if it's someone who's your friend. Sure. or and, and again, I know this get this in itself, the reason I was kind of like deep breathing before we started the show is this is really difficult because we have been, we've spent the last couple months, the last four years talking about this difficulty with politics. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely overwhelmed and disgusted by what's happened in politics. And then part of me wants to just yell at everybody, yes. right? We have been talking about this issue regarding race and systematized mm-hmm. racism where sometimes you just want to be like, hello, this is we were. This is what our country was built on. Yeah. And the lack of, like I was telling Todd about this great image that I saw today uh, that it's been floating around, but it's like, it's a iceberg. And at the top of the iceberg is the things that we call racism, like KKK or mm-hmm. white supremacy Obvious or Nazi. examples. But then underneath the surface that we don't see are all the things that contribute to that racism. Yeah, and, and so, you can't have the tip of the iceberg without the foundation. Exactly. The all, saying all lives matter or, you know, feeding into a system that doesn't educate kids in, poor, in communities that, you know, are, what's the, what's the word that I'm always reading? 
reaching for, not underdeveloped, but oh, I know. Dis- we always forget. We always one. forget because it it's the most important. Divested, word. divested communities where we're like, you know, we we perpetuate a cycle and create a system that leads. So when people say the system is broken, no, it's working exactly the way we've created yeah. it. So I'm only saying that because, of course, we want to get angry. And and I read as a feminist. There's all these books written about women's anger and women's rage and that we have a right to feel it and we have a right to speak it. And I agree with all of that. I And I've done it. <laughs> but I have found as far as like if you're talking to someone one-on-one – and you and you have a relationship with them already, especially if it's like your parent that you know watches Fox News all the time, or your grandparent that's you know sending you conspiracy theories um, online. A, a really good conversation about critical thinking and what we're going to s- discuss on this show might be more impactful. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. D- that we can have. This is the paradox. This is why Todd and I call this show Zen Parenting. Is there is a paradox of being angry and feeling rage and occasionally like breaking down or yelling um, because of all of that rage. And then there's also times that we can have conversations with people that are more tempered, yeah. and thoughtful and reflective. And so, have I? Todd has seen me yell about these conspiracy theories, and I've gotten very angry, and I've I've very upset with people who are perpetuating things that are harming others. But I also feel like it's important to have this kind of conversation. So let me share a few things. Um, I have a feeling you're going to ask me to cut this next part out, but I'm going to ask anyways. Oh God, don't. Do you remember that part? And so so I married an ex murderer and Mike Myers, dad is, he reads the weekly world news as if it's the newspaper. The Sputnik head dad. Uh, yes. Okay. Can I play that just for kicks? I guess. <laughs> we can cut it out later. Okay. Hello. Hi. William here, son. Hey, Charlie. Hey, William. How's it going? All right. Give your mother a kiss and I'll kick your teeth in. Hi. Hey. Did you happen to see the most beautiful Man, Shut it! If you did. How you doing, Dad? I'm doing fine. Come on, Charlie. All right, away and go with your mother, all right? And while you're there, why don't you try one of her bras on you, wee girl? Float away, you fairy! Hey, Mom. I uh, brought you guys a haggis. Oh, that's sweet of you, son. Thank you. Oh, I haven't seen one of these for a year. Oof, for years. Actually, I hate them. I don't them. think this is the part. But your father will happily eat me. Look at him. Well, it's a well-known fact, Sonny Jim, that there's a secret to say. Lyndon hates those rubbish again. Well, it's a well-known fact, Sonny Jim, that there's a secret society of the five wealthiest people in the world, known as the Pentaveret, mm. who run everything in the world, including the newspapers, and meet tri-annually at a secret country mansion in Colorado known as the Meadows. So who's in this Pentaveret? The Queen, the Vatican, the Gettys, the Rothschilds, and Colonel Sanders before he went tits up. Oh, I hated the colonel with his wee beady eyes and that smug look on his face. Oh, you're gonna buy my chicken. Oh, Dad, how can you hate the colonel? Because he puts an addictive chemical in his chicken that makes you crave it fortnightly smart arse. Interesting. Cuckoo. Charlie, would you like a juice? Okay. 
So th- right there, yeah. and, and it's so interesting to hear that because people still think that mm-hmm. about like that there's five people, you know, like yeah. the George Soros and the Bill Do, and Melinda Gates thing. Right. Can you not... I barely know that, and I'm guessing a lot of our listeners don't know anything well, about I that. Well, don't, I don't know enough about it, okay. meaning I don't have the actual... Like, the people who, like, talk about these things, it's it kind of falls under this deep state yeah. thought, and there is a lot of, like, there's certain people running the world, and it's, like, underneath everything, and they own everything, mm-hmm. which kind of creates this... Um, and John Oliver talks about it in his show, where no matter what you say, if you say, well, the newspapers don't say that, they'll say they own the newspapers. Or if you say, but they couldn't find this information, they'll say they may Make sure you can't find this information. It's like this self-sealed. Um, Wikipedia says in the U.S., the deep, deep state is a conspiracy theory which suggests that collusion and cronyism exist within the U.S. political system and constitute a hidden government. A hidden government within right. the legitimately elected government, right? And so on. So it's like this under and 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 when I ask people, like, explain to me who these people are, they'll like throw names out, and I'll say, but how does that work? How do they work underneath the government, mm-hmm. especially if Trump is supposedly on to them? Mm-hmm. Why are they still winning? Yeah. Like, I don't, it does, and this is part of the critical thinking, is right. it doesn't really make sense. If, if you watch a video that lays it out perfectly for you and you go, oh, but then there's all these other aspects to it that aren't being laid out. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get too deeply into that. Okay. I want to talk about- And they can Google that if they want. If they want to. Um, but I want, I don't want to promote any of this. Sure. Like, this is the thing I want to be careful of is I don't want to be like, hey, go read about this because it's harmful. Like this is like you have some of the, and this is what's so interesting. Being a critical thinker means that you find a lot of information and that you have curiosity and that you have interest. And as you know, because you watch me every day, I read books constantly. Constantly and chronically. Sure. And I read crazy books, like, you know, about, uh, and when I say crazy books, I'm using that word meaning that are a little bit off the deep end as yeah. far as like, you mm-hmm. know, you know, the way we look at things, our spirituality. And I also read very grounded books in science. And I think that gives you kind of a this middle place of, I don't have like all the answers all the time, but I have a, a sense of reality. Sure. There is something in clinical world that we call reality testing. Well, and if nothing else, um, critical thinking, if you think like, what do, you, what do we want for our kids? Right. To be critical thinkers Correct. is probably pretty high up on most people's list. And then this gets a little difficult because then we'll start talking about, and again, this is exactly what I knew what was happening. I don't have any of this, what I'm about to say, sure. listed here to talk about. But then we talk about things like free speech, and we talk about certain speakers coming to universities, and then they, and then there's a big protest about it, and then they can't come speak. Sure. But I was reading a quote from, and usually that's someone who's conservative, who is saying things that are harmful or oppressive to certain people or groups, or who have before mm-hmm. said things sure. that were harmful. And I was reading a quote from John Lewis, who passed away this weekend, by the way, and I've mm. been spending a lot of my time reading about his history and and his writing and just an amazing man in so many ways. And he was talking, he had a great quote about, you know, I 100% believe in freedom of speech unless it's hurting or dehumanizing other people. Mm. Then we have some, and, uh, you know, this is not a fair comparison because there's John Lewis and then I'm bringing up Brene Brown, but she also in her research has a, a thing about, you know, I I will have any kind of reflective and respectful discourse with you. We can communicate all day instil- until you start to dehumanize me mm-hmm. or dehumanize other people. Then the conversation breaks down. Yeah. So 
this is kind of, even though I'm sitting here talking about we have to have these conversations respectfully, there are times that it breaks down pretty quickly. Because if you're going to dehumanize other people, I may not choose to, and you guys know what I mean by dehumanize, where you start to blame one whole group or one specific person or what, the world isn't built like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so- and you can have opinions about people. Like it's not about micromanaging the way people think. It's about saying we're not going to spread things. Even now, social networking is finally catching up yeah. to saying this isn't okay for our platform. And people are calling it censorship, but it's actually inciting violence and harm. Yeah. That's that's what we're built on is not doing that. So it's this – for some, it's a very fine line. To me, it feels a lot more clear, but that – but some people I talk to don't believe that. You Correct. know, they think it's censorship. But so I guess what I wanted to go to is that research, and you guys can look this up in a million different places. I'm gonna I'm gonna offer information to you that you can find in a lot of different respected resources. So okay. you feel as if because one thing that um conspiracies rely on is usually just it's one resource and you heard it once or this person told this person told this person and you can't find it reflected in a lot of different places so to anybody who's listening to this podcast don't don't trust yeah. us. Google this stuff. And Google this stuff. Read it in Psychology Today. Read it in the scientific manuals. Yes. Read it in, like, I'm, you yes. know. So, but uh, research has found that the reasons that people believe in conspiracy theories can be grouped into three categories. Okay. okay you ready? Yep. Number one, which you and I talked about upstairs, the desire for understanding and certainty. Okay. Because yep. you were talking about that. Six basic human needs, yep. um, as it was taught to me by one of my mentors said that certainty is a um, is a need that us humans have for survival. Absolutely. Yeah. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. Like that's part of the reason we're so uncomfortable right now in the midst of a pandemic where we don't know how it ends or what we're going to do or what it's going to look like or what our school year is going to look like is because the uncertainty is, it's like gnawing at us. And the truth is we've really never had certainty. You know what I mean? Right. Like no one guaranteed us, oh, if you do A, B, and C, it'll work out like this. But we had a false sense of certainty. So this kind of real in our face uncertainty mm-hmm. makes us super uncomfortable. So the desire for understanding uncertainty. The second thing is the desire for control and security, which is very similar mm-hmm. to certainty. Like I want to feel like I have my arms around this whole thing. I see this a lot with my spiritual community and with clients who are more uh, spiritual in the way that they approach their life is they they let go of one aspect of their lives and open up and are like, oh, I'm going to look at all these things. And then they latch back on to some kind of spiritual certainty where they're guaranteed they'll never get hurt. So they switch from one ideology Correct. and they move over to another ideology. Really, all it is is just making them feel comfortable. Correct. And it's really a, it makes, that's a, that's a form. We did a show a couple of weeks ago about spiritual bypassing mm-hmm. where we say things like, well, I know that um, I eat healthy and I think healthy thoughts, therefore I will never get sick. And, and, I also, and and this is what's tough there. Of course, we should eat healthy. And we have had some research that demonstrated that the that 
you know, the mind-body approach and that if we are more thoughtful about being mindful and, you know, working with, you know, doing group therapy and processing our emotions and everything, that is helpful to our nervous system, our immune system, and our body. It is helpful. It is a piece of the puzzle. But thinking a certain way and eating a certain way isn't a guarantee of anything. Right. And and most of you have lived long enough to know that. You've met somebody who has done all the right things, I'm putting that in air quotes, who, who who got sick? Well, there's outliers everywhere. There's outliers for the person who never ate any ice cream, pizza, ran 10 miles a day, and then keeled over and died from a heart attack. And then there's other people who practice a completely unhealthy lifestyle and they live till they're 95 years old. And and so in no way are Todd and I saying, yeah, go ahead and smoke seven packs mm. of cigarettes a day because you're uncertain. You follow the best practice. This is like you follow the best practice knowing that that life is uncertain. Mm. And if you have any kind of understanding of, you know, if you do have a spiritual outlook, um, it could be religious-based or or spiritual in nature as far as how things work, you understand that. Not necessarily, nobody loves it. You know, nobody likes to talk about death. Nobody talks to, nobody likes to discuss that we're only here for a certain amount of time. Sure. Um, but when you really do get into that, you see there just aren't, I mean, you know, I've worked with women, men too, but I've been working with women specifically who have lost children. There's no rhyme and reason for that. Yeah. You know, like I'm, you know, you can't, or lost a partner at a young age. You can't be like, oh, well, that's just because of this or this. We do that to protect ourselves yeah. from thinking that it'll never happen to us. Yeah. I do it too, Todd. I'll hear a story and I'll be like, well, wait, did they take care of themselves? Mm -hmm. Or did, like, I'm always trying to separate myself from people who have had challenges. Right. So the desire for control and security. And the last one is, they call it in research, the desire to maintain a positive self-image. But I don't really like that terminology. And I, you know, reading about it more, it really just is a desire to feel like you have something special mm. and a desire to feel like you have information that other people don't have and a desire to feel like it's like an importance. Which we all do. Uh, like, who I, doesn't? I want to I want to showcase my talents, intellect to anybody, and I think everybody else wants to make sure that they have something to share with their fellow humans. And it just so happens that some people choose to separate themselves. You know, I choose to separate myself with, hey, I'm good at running a men's group and doing a podcast. And other people are like, here's all these conspiracy theories. Correct. Right? And they don't call them that. They right. say, here's the truth. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's what you don't see. Here's what I know and you don't know. Here's what I've read and you haven't read. There is a feeling of, it's a superiority. Mm. And who doesn't get that? I understand the need for certainty. I understand the need for control and security. And I, I understand the need to have something special. And like I said, it's because I've experienced all three of them, not in, in conspiracy theory world, but in like, like I said, at the beginning of my own search, like in my 20s regarding uh, spirit and understanding and self-help, I thought I had more information than anybody. Sure. Now, what's great is the older I get, the, real, the realization I have that I don't know anything. The more I know, the less I understand. That's Don, Don Henley, Henley. Yes. And he's exactly right. That's how it should be. Mm -hmm. It's And for some people, that feels way too insecure. They want to be like, no, I want to know more. Mm -hmm. But what you realize is you know less, and what that offers you is peace and relief, which is I'm not controlling this. Yeah. So that goes to my favorite quote that I wanted to tell that I told you yesterday. It's from a Zen teacher. I always like to bring in our Zen teachers because they basically share with their 
they're simple statements, what Todd and I are always trying to talk about on this show. Mm. Knowing this glass is fragile and will break if I drop it, I can fully appreciate and enjoy the beauty of the glass as I hold it carefully. Okay? That's the quote? Yes. All right, read it back to me, because I don't know why that strikes you. It's because you're writing something. You're, no, you were, I'm it, writing it, the quote. Oh, you were? Okay. Yeah. So just, just feel it. Knowing this glass, I'll, I'll demonstrate with my hand. Knowing this glass is fragile. Yeah. So this glass in my hand is fragile, and guess what? If I drop it, it's going to break. Yeah. But I can fully appreciate and enjoy the beauty of the glass as I hold it carefully. This is life. Mm. Okay. So glass is life. Thank you. I needed that part. (laughs) Jeez, you got to walk ABC123 with me. Okay, metaphor. So analogy. If we know that our life is uncertain Mm. and it's fragile and it could, something could happen that we don't anticipate, want, desire, choose, I can in my moments, fully appreciate and embrace the moments Mm. because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's not a defeatist view. It's the truth. So tell me if this makes any sense to you. Like for any of us who are holding on to some type of belief system, which most of us are. Of course. And I'll just talk about conspiracy theories just for kicks now. Like when they are when somebody's kind of like preaching to me about how the deep state or whatever, I feel like that's them like holding the glass so tight. Like they're not holding it up. They're not letting it lay on their hand. Mm-hmm. They're trying to like grasp it. And they are. And they're also saying my glass is unbreakable. Yes. I've got it. Yes. I've got this contained. Yes. I've got this figured out. And I don't have to really do anything about it. And all this stuff you guys are worried about isn't true. Mm. So there's this also this belief system of, like, it just feels better to believe none of the things that were like, okay, let's talk about just the pandemic. It feels better to believe that we're all hyping it up mm-hmm. and that wearing a mask is us being like. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be if great? If all this was BS? And can you understand why someone who already feels overwhelmed and or, or feels that life has been unfair or feels like uncertain or, inse- uncertain or insecure says, nah. This is all made up mm-hmm. because taking in the truth of this is scary as, scary all get as out. hell. And there are plenty of theories out there that say exactly that, that this pandemic is not true, right? Exactly. Like, uh, you know, two of the things that really made the rounds are like, you know, people who, well, this is like a bunch of things in one, but like the pandemic documentary yes. where there was basically one woman who, you know, worked for the some cancer re- you know research institute and she said that she was trying to like be a whistleblower and that she was arrested in the middle of the night for nothing and she was never charged with anything which isn't true mm-hmm. she was absolutely charged with things mm-hmm. and then when she when you know people ask her things like or or they ask her to explain that she'll say oh I always forget yes. because things were you know she she conveniently forgets yes. and it is one person saying these things and she's the one who said if you wear a mask that you like breathe in your own you'll expression be, of the worse. virus yeah, yeah. which you know researchers epidemiologists everywhere like there's no such thing as expression of the virus yeah. like even that language isn't used yeah they don't even know what that they're like how what it is she talking it? about yeah. cuz that's if the virus is in your body it's in your body mm. like so you're not like it it doesn't so then the question is well why did fauci and everybody else tell us not to wear masks at the beginning of this 
you know, this Mm -hmm. epidemic or excuse me, this pandemic. It's because we didn't have enough PPE. We didn't have enough protective equipment. people in the hospital. The hospitals, the daycare centers, the um, nursing homes. If we (laughs) all were told to get masks. Makes totally logical sense of why he would say that. Exactly. And he said, right now, if you read, like I actually have his quotes from that time. He says, he says, Fauci acknowledged that masks were initially not recommended to the public so that first responders wouldn't feel the strain, the strain of the shortage of PPE and also police officers, mm-hmm. fire departments. He explained that public health experts were concerned, the public health community and many people were saying this, uh, he, that's just a repeat of it. They were concerned that at this was a time when PPE, including the N95 masks and the surgical masks were in very short supply. But by early April, this it came true. The uh, national stockpile was completely depleted. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's finally when our government decided to invoke the Defense Product Production Act, and it was wait. Too I shouldn't late. say it was. It was late though. Yes. I mean, too late. No, because we eventually got it, but it was way past the time that we needed it to happen. So then, manufacturing chains started to make masks. Um, so Fauci continued to say that they wanted to give as many masks as possible to frontline workers and emergency personnel first, because we were being told to stay home anyway yeah okay what, why are we at risk if we're just with the five people that we live with or exactly whatever? and then over time we wanted to make sure you know people blah 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 the same kind of thing and then he said but then we were like okay this is this is not going to um this is not a hundred percent effective this is like 70 percent effective but 70 effective it's better than zero is a hell of a lot more i mean basically when people are like well what can we do about this Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Like now we have. Doesn't mean you're not going to get it, but let's reduce the possibility. Exactly. So a lot of people who go back and say, but we weren't supposed to before, there was a reason. It's such a shortcut. I know. It's hard. It's really hard not to be judgmental. It is. That's all I got to say. And I am too. But the but is, is that you and I, for a living, support people and help people and listen to people. Got to meet them where they are. Exactly. And we have to not just meet them like, oh, I feel sorry for you, but understand. Mm-hmm. And I think the understanding, like one thing that I do a lot, I talk about this on the show all the time, but it's important to understand why I do. I watch a lot of shows about cults. I watch, I read a lot of things about religions. I read a lot of things and watch a lot of things about how people get involved in things that are conspiracy esque. Yeah. You know, how they believe things that seem so far-fetched. What I look for when I read those things is not about just like the the yuckiness of it or sure. like just the um, gossip, tabloid the, yeah, gossip. Yeah. I look for how did people then get out? What happened in them or the people that left or blew the whistle or walked away? Those are the kind of stories I like to pull from. Like. Yeah. When it comes to Scientology, or I watched Waco, or mm-hmm. and now here's the thing. Then I read about Waco, and everyone's like, but some of those details weren't true. I know. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get every conversation exactly right, and there's going to be people with different perspective. But we do agree on, you know, the people who the Waco was based on, they're the ones who wrote, they wrote the books about their experiences, and they matched up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You've got the FBI guy, and you've got the guy who left the yeah, compound. Both sides are agreeing. Exactly. So- and they're not great stories, and yeah. it's it's. But my point is, and it's like you know Megan Roper Phelps, who we've talked about on this podcast a number of times. She left the Westboro Baptist Church. She left because people on Twitter started talking to her about her beliefs and how they didn't match up. They didn't make sense. Yeah. 
And she eventually, over a course of two years, decided to leave. And now she speaks about these things. Mm -hmm. People who were white supremacists, who were like leading white supremacy organizations, who eventually met people who changed their thinking. And now they talk about why people get involved in white supremacist Mm -hmm. organizations. My point is, is I'm interested in that psychology, like why people leave and why people get involved. So. It's like Todd gets frustrated about the movie A Perfect Storm. Oh, yeah. Can't stand it. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with conspiracy necessarily, but at the beginning of A Perfect Storm, what comes on based the screen is- Based on actual is, events. Based on actual events. Then the whole story is them on the boat, yep. and Todd's like, nobody knows what happened on that boat. Well, yeah. The way I watched that movie is I'm like, well, because I just watched 95 minutes of these guys on a boat, I'm obvi- one of them's got to make it back. And it turns out, spoiler alert, none of them make it back. Like, how in the world can they give us this amount of information about a bunch of guys that were, there's no newspaper reporters, there's no documentation. They just made up a big story. But there was documentation because they were doing their um, CB or whatever it's called on a boat, their communication. That must have been a lot of information being communicated from that CB to give me a 90-minute movie about it. Well, and that's where then it it kind of goes into stories and movie making is they're like, here was this relationship and here's probably a conversation. Yeah, they just took it and ran with it. But the bottom line truth is that ship went down because of poor choices on the part of the captain who decided to go out and who decided to, or, and this is even like, even that was questioned. The family of right. That got of George Clooney's character said they didn't, they didn't have a choice to get out of that storm that, that they were going to, they were on their way back and it hit them. What I understood is the, the, the way the movie is written or shown they had a choice to just sit tight, but they did, they wanted to get rich off the fish that they just caught. And what the family member of George Clooney's character said is, this storm came much quicker. They didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. If they could have, they would have gotten they out. They would have dumped the fish yes. and gone home. Yes. So even that's up for debate, the why, yeah. but we do know the ship went down. Yes. Okay? So know it's that. kind of like th- there's things that we can argue about, but the bottom line is the ship went down. Yeah. Okay? So... And I don't even know if that's a good analogy, but Todd gets so angry about the details. I get all worked up on the old perfect storm. So let's jump in a little bit to this John Oliver thing, okay? okay? Um, So John Oliver did a show about conspiracy theories this weekend, and I'd rather you just watch it. It's about 20 minutes. But there's a few things that he talks about. And one of them is, is that half of Americans endorse a conspiracy theory. And he starts to discuss even his own beliefs around Princess Diana's death. Um, And so why don't you just play that first one that says John Oliver? I'm not immune here. Embarrassingly, there's a part of me that thinks the royal family had Princess Diana killed. I know that they didn't because there's absolutely no evidence that they did. But the idea still lingers because it felt too big an event to be accidental. There had to be some intent there. And experts will say that that is actually a huge draw of conspiracy theories. They help explain a chaotic, uncertain world and appeal to the human impulse to what's called proportionality bias, which is the tendency to assume that big events must have big causes. Take the JFK assassination. That event shook the world. And the very idea that a lone gunman could cause such chaos was inherently unsatisfying. So people, perhaps understandably, reached for a much bigger answer. Although it is... Boom. So a few things I want to pull out of there. Number one, he repeats, you know, the fact that it conspiracy theories help us understand a chaotic and uncertain world. It sure seemed like, you know, Todd and I were actually in, we weren't dating yet, but we were in communication when Princess Diana was killed. And we both can, we both talk about 
that experience and how you're like, there's no way this woman who's bigger than life just died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something yeah. else that happened. It, it didn't equate. It didn't equate. And that's proportionality bias that this person who impacts the world in such a big way, there's no way it can be that simple mm-hmm. of a reason that they died. It, it can't be, it has to be bigger. There has to be a, people wanted or killed. And again, you can dive into, well, the paparazzi made it happen or the driver had been drinking. Yeah, all that can be true. But the truth is she died in a car accident, that it wasn't like a pre-planned, yeah. you know, no one planned on it, but it's it was horrible. And then he talks about how with JFK, exact same thing. People are like, there is no way one man with a gun killed the president and rippled across the entire world and changed everything Mm -hmm. that the proportionality bias doesn't match up. So from, we must make it bigger. We must make it bigger. Our own psychological need for this to make sense. Did you take JFK at Drake? No, but I love that movie. And I know that professor Nelson, that was the name of the guy who taught it. It was a class that was at Todd in my university. He was not a fan of that movie because of the leaps that Oliver Stone took. Conspiracy theories, correct. And that he was trying to kind of prove for us to think bigger about it. And from what I understood about that class, it was, let's look at all these things, but the truth is this is what happened. Am I I saying that right? I don't think he told his students what What he thought happened. Okay, I think he just presented the evidence and you get to decide. Okay, so, but then John Oliver goes on to explain that now Ronald Reagan was also shot. You remember that? Mm-hmm. But because he didn't die and because it didn't ripple effect across the world, we accepted that. Did, didn't, yeah, it didn't have much of an impact. So one guy shot him and we didn't think much about it. Yeah. I mean, we were interested in why did this guy do it? The so Jody the question Foster is thing. so the question is like, let's say Ronald Reagan died, would there be a, there'd yes. probably be a lot more theories Correct. out there? Interesting. Okay. Proportionality bias. Yeah. However big the thing is, like if Princess Diana, when she first got in that car accident, it was at nighttime and I was watching TV. And when I went to bed, I thought she was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. They were saying she's showing signs. Of, and I don't know if they were lying. Yeah. But they, I thought when I woke up, she was dead. Yeah. And I didn't think that was going to happen. If she would have gotten in a car accident and been okay, we would have been like, wow, a car accident. But because she died, mm-hmm. and and this makes sense to me. Like, I think we do that. It, it, this is almost like a, it's like a stage of grief sure. we go through when something happens to friends, our partner, our children. There's got to be a bigger reason. and And there can be. In the long run, as far as what we learned and what we experienced and how it grew our hearts and how we became more patient and empathetic, those things are real, meaning you can have a negative experience and learn from it and something will come from it. But I'm always leery of saying to people, that's why it happened, because we don't know why things happen. So if I can summarize, I don't know if this will come out right. We as human beings have a tendency to make sense of things that are sometimes hard to make sense of. Too literally. Yeah. Too, we, there are spiritual sense or like a sense of how have I, not I'm so glad that happened, I'm a better person, but what can I do with that? Yeah, what am I going to do with this information? Right. But I don't like it when people say, well, there's going to be a reason that this happened. You know, like when I miscarried the first time and you know people are like well this was the best thing or else it wouldn't have happened and you know you you should be grateful for this and i'm like no 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 and i'm still not necessarily grateful for that Mm -hmm. but have i learned from my dad's sickness or my miscarriages or my own depression or my of course i've learned but i wouldn't be like i i I, and and i can also be like life is a plan Mm -hmm. 
meaning there is a journey and there is a road, but this is where we get into predestiny versus, you know, corners that we take. You know, like, I don't know how it all works out. This is Forrest Gump with the feather. It's Forrest Gump and the feather. It really is. Um, He decides that it's a mixture of both. Yes. And I agree with Forrest. So that's my research as we're talking about conspiracy theories. I'm like, I agree with with Forrest Gump. Um, But so when we have a less impactful thing that happens, we don't need a conspiracy theory. But when we have a hugely impactful thing that happens, mm-hmm. we have conspiracy theories. Yep. So did you want to play Forrest? No, I can't find it. It's, okay. it's too long, and it'd take me a while to find it. And basically all he does is he says, are we just floating around aimlessly, or is there a plan? And he says, I think it's a mixture of both. Does and he I- say that when he's in front of Ginny's grave? Yes. He does. Because his mother says, his mother tells him one, th- like I think Lieutenant Dan is kind of like, you know, or Lieutenant Dan thought he had a destiny. Mm-hmm. Remember, he thought he was supposed to die on the battlefield. Yeah, but that's not what happened. And his mom was like, "Everybody's got a plan, and my plan was to be your mother." Yeah, and he's like, "What's my plan?" And she's like, "That's your life." Maybe you can help me find it. I can cut this. It was like just before the sun goes to bed down on the bayou. Nope. Heaven stopped. And- nope. I love you. Mama. Oh, this is the best scene of Forrest Gump. Always said dying was a part of life. I sure wish it was. Little Forrest is doing just fine. But. About to start school again soon. I make his. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. I make sure he combs his hair. And every night we read a book. It's just... Uh, destiny. Here we go. Jenny. I don't know if Mama was right or if it if it's Lieutenant Dan. I don't know if we each have a destiny or if we're all just floating around accidental like on a breeze. But I, I think Maybe it's both. Maybe both is happening at the same time. That's it. I miss you, Jenny. Yeah, he loves Jenny. He he named all of his boats Jenny. Guy knows how to act. I know, that scene is amazing. That whole scene. Um, So... Um, just to kind of get back, because I know you always get worried about time. I wanted to at yeah, least finish. Yeah, we're 45 minutes in, so we got 15 left. Todd likes to tell me how long we've been talking. So here's the thing. So let's get back to what's happening right now in conspiracy theories, because we've already talked about why people have them, you know, what it, how it helps them. 
um, it, why it makes them feel more comfortable, more certain. And right now we're in an interesting time because here we have something global going on and we're all being asked to do things we've never been asked to do, especially in a country where we think of ourselves as individualists and freedom and people telling us to do something tends to piss certain people off depending on what's being asked, <laughs> right? right. Some people are like, oh, you can ask me to do that. And other people are like, no. So, But we're being asked to wear masks and then there's a lot of um, conspiracies going around about pandemic, um, about this pandemic. And unfortunately, a lot of them are being pushed by our own president. Mm. Okay. So I want you to play the thing that shockingly says Rush Limbaugh, yep. because Rush Limbaugh explains what our president tends to do to confuse us. Is, is this guy. When you get to Trump and his conspiracy theories, he does it in a really clever way. Trump never says that he believes these conspiracy theories that he touts. He simply passed the among. And it's, it, it, it's his way of jamming them up. It's his way of uh, teasing them. It's his way of getting these conspiracy theories out there. So Trump is just throwing gasoline on a fire here. And he's having fun watching the flames. Yeah. Rush Limbaugh gets it. Okay. Um, Market July twentieth, twenty twenty. Rush, I agree with Rush Limbaugh. Right, and who knows what he said after that? Yeah. Maybe he loves it. Yeah, maybe he loves the <laughs> no, Trump jams things clip. up. But that's exactly what Trump does. He'll say, uh, "People say that's what they say. That's what I've heard." And so he doesn't fully buy in, but he's spreading them and tweeting them, and and it is exceptionally um, harmful, and it propels these. It propels people to believe them and think that he's like thinking like them and he's doing it not because he believes it, but because he's trying to stir things up. Mm. And he would much rather we be all riled up and confused than on the same page. So I'm saying that because, you know, when his his latest tweet was that the CDC and the media are lying about the pandemic to hurt his election challenges, you know, his election ability is ability to be elected and that that's so forgetful of and and i'm not trying to say he should know better because i've learned to not think that anymore i've been you know he's demonstrated to me why he will never be capable of that but how harmful it is to believe him or a conspiracy theory over the the Basically, the scientists in our country who have spent their entire life, their entire career focusing on a time like this, who have studied, who have been all over the world, who have joined other people around the world in figuring this out and helping us and supporting us and, you know, and that we're going to not listen to them. You can have things where you say, you know, I'd like to read this from a different resource or do other epidemiologists think this or what's the history on this? Do that. But what you'll find is there's a consistency there. Consistency of scientific evidence. Correct. This is like people who are like climate change isn't real when it's, I think we're up to 98% of scientists say it is, but people are going to believe the 2%. Mm. I don't understand this thinking. And you... I I understand that you're reading something that's convincing you or making you feel empowered in some way. 
that you have information other people don't have or that it scares you so much and you don't want to look at it. Yeah. So you're willing to say, but there, because you know what Todd and I say all the time, every time we read a tweet from this guy or anytime we see a conspiracy theory or we have someone tell us one, I would love to believe that. Mm-hmm. I would love to believe this is going to go away this summer. Mm-hmm. I would love to believe that it's just going to fade into oblivion and we're never going to think about this pandemic. I would enjoy that. So I understand why people are like, I would rather believe that. Yeah. But it's not responsible. Yeah. We have to pay attention to what's happening. Like, we can look to the future and be like, what can we do? But in the meantime, we have to be in the moment. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to stay at home and never go anywhere. Todd and I have worn our masks and gone out and gone to grocery stores and sat outside at a restaurant. Like, I'm not saying we have to like shut down Isolate every aspect. Isolate in a in a hole in a foxhole for the next six months or whatever. We're not doing that, but we're being responsible. Thoughtful, responsible, doing the best we can with what we know. Yeah. Right. But pretending it's not real or, you know, writing to governors and leaders and saying you guys are horrible people because you're trying to protect us. I don't, you know, or you're taking away my rights because I don't want to wear a mask. Nobody wants to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Who wants to wear a mask? Yeah. You know? It, it's but there this is not about me it's, it's about, about us. us so just a few more things that john oliver talks about in his clip what he said he basically goes through what can we do mm-hmm. and these are some of the things we can do if we are finding ourselves believing conspiracy theories or if we know people who do spot the theories and treat them skeptically like for example is there a rational explanation like people for a long time and a lot of the people that in a, you know people i know a community of mind was very focused on that 5G was causing this, yeah. that our cell phone towers, because there was some kind of map where it demonstrated that, um, you know, this is where the pandemic was hitting, basically on the West and East, and that's where all the 5G towers are on the West and East. So that must mean 5G is related to the pandemic. And the truth is, everything is related to the West and East because that's where the majority of our population is. So John Oliver makes a funny, he puts yeah, he up another map. He overlays the maps, yeah. Of, he overlays those maps and then puts up a maps of all the Domino's pizzas, and yeah. it's the exact same right. map. So you have to think skeptically. Like, yes, it looks scary when you first see two maps. Oh, the 5G towers, you know, and this is where the pandemic is. But it's a quick jump to say that that's the cause. Wouldn't this be like, uh, I think it's an economics term, confirmation bias. Like you're looking... You, Causality. You, you believe in something, so then we look for things to confirm what it is that we think. Absolutely. Yeah. And we do that with our own, with our news reading sure, and our media sure. stuff. We like articles and journalists and commentators that say the things we believe. Mm-hmm. This is why certain people watch Fox News, and this is why certain people, uh, you know, read certain articles or, you know, like certain magazines because they want to have what they believe confirmed. This is just what we do. Confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information that confirms or supports one's prior beliefs or values. So if you already think that 5G is going to ruin the world, then once the pandemic comes along, you're going to find... And again, there is nothing wrong with curiosity. Like, I want to be clear that this is why I'm not like, oh, this is dumb or what's wrong with you people. Everything begins with curiosity. Mm -hmm. And if there would have been if people would have looked at that and found, like, we made this mistake before with vaccines and autism. Yep. We made something causality when really it was just 
these things were happening at the same time. It yeah. just so happens that a lot of autistic kind of features start to show themselves around the same time that a certain vaccine is given. Yeah. And so there was, we, we put A plus B equals C. Yep. And all of that has been debunked, but there's still a lot of people who, there's still a lot of anti-vaccine out there, sure. um, which you can be like, there are things you can do to educate yourself. You can decide, like with my girls, and people may even disagree with this, but with my girls, I like spaced out vaccines, mm -hmm. okay? That felt comfortable to me. It felt right to me. But I was there was still a decision that get these, vaccines. Yes, that that in the and now we kind of understand like what different populations dealt with and why a vaccine came to be, and and you know this is and then there's these people who spend their lives making sure that people across the globe get vaccines, but then they're being called. You know, they're like, oh, that's only big pharma and they're just trying to get money. And big pharma is a thing too, but could it be also true that people are trying to save children? Yeah. Can we Does have, have to be enough? one or the other? Correct. Can there be room? I feel like we've talked about all these things on the sure. show that, yes, I'm bothered by some things in big pharma for sure. Yeah. I'm bothered by the fact that what people have to pay for some things that they need to live. But I also see people who are using pharmaceuticals to help people live, survive, and and help us live amongst each other without infecting each other. Yeah. So can't we, this is critical thinking. And I don't have final answers, but I'm reading about these things and making sure that we're, you know, paying attention to what the scientists tell us, yes, right? Right. Um, and then the last thing, and I just thought we would share this because it was John Oliver basically saying, be a critical thinker, um, do uh, 20... Yep. The very end. So basically what John Oliver does is he enlists a bunch of people, you know, entertainers that we trust to kind of st help us send a video to someone we love to start a conversation about why conspiracy theories might not be helpful. I urge people to think more critically. Here is just a taste. What's going on, my people? It's me, Billy Porter. Hello there. I'm Catherine O'Hara. I'm Paul Rudd. Alex Trebek. John Cena here. WWE superstar, actor, internet meme, dessert lover, and number three on your partner's free pass list. I'm literally a superhero. The smallest one, but it still counts. I know that we are living in scary times. Given the current state of things, you're searching for answers about the global health crisis. I think that's awesome. That curiosity, that's good. I'm curious too. If nobody ever asked questions, Jeopardy would be a very, very weird show, wouldn't it? But you have to be careful. Cause there's a lot of convincing looking shit on the internet and most of it ain't true. You know, I once thought I was dead because hashtag RIP Paul Rudd was trending. So before you go off and share something with your friends and family, it's good to know where that information's coming from. Is it a trusted news source? If you're not sure, look to see if other trusted news sources and experts are saying the same thing. A good way to know if an idea or story that you've read about holds water is if a majority of trusted sources agree on it. And finally, think critically. You're smart. You're smart. You're a smart cookie. I know. There we go. So those are just like, you can actually go to a website that John Oliver, um, his team created called the, the true, true truth com. And all it is is these videos by these different people, and they're all like five minutes. And why he had them do them so you could like send a video to someone and be like, "Watch this," and, and it doesn't now, dehumanize them. Correct. Makes it, it 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 gives them an easy on ramp to 
think a little bit more critically than maybe they did before. Exactly. And sometimes, and I've run into this a few times with some people where I've said that and they've been like, oh, Kathy, you're so duped. Mm. You know, you're just so duped. And then maybe a conversation can't occur because there's, if we're not having like a, let's have a, you know. Yeah, we can extend an olive branch and if they still think that we've been duped and we're completely off base, then. We're sheep. Yeah. Um, And there is, and why I love those videos and the language is I love the idea of critical thinking, because that's what we're here to do. Um, that's what education in our in our in the United States is supposed to be: is yeah. teaching us how to think, think critically, and you know how to look at a lot of different information. And then there's this whole other world that I'm very invested in, which is this self understanding and this intuitive thinking. You know, and and I'm using the word thinking, but I don't mean brain; I mean body. Mm-hmm. This intuitive understanding of what feels right, yeah. and sometimes that can get confused with how do I not feel scared? Yeah, and that means oh, that scares me. My body's telling me to avoid that. That must not be true. That's not it. Intuition is when we know how to do the next right thing. Like how do I take, you know? And again, it's. I this is so hard to talk about because it's kind of, it becomes these very fine lines like you know when the secret first came out I'm just going to use something universal that everybody knows the secret came out and everybody loved it What's the secret sweetie The secret is a book by Rhonda Byrne and it basically is all this this idea that if you like put up a vision board and you hope for your car or you hope for the house that somehow it'll magically come to you. Now that's not really what the secret is, but that's what somehow got translated yes. through our it filtered culture. filtered to that one soundbite. Exactly. And so then people are like, that's baloney, it's bunk. And that is baloney and bunk. What she was saying though, and maybe not in the best way, meaning that we could maybe be more careful with our language around this, is that there's like true psychological understanding that if you want something... And you have a vision board and you you focus on it and you energize around it that you'll pay more attention to it, mm. that you'll meet more people who sure. are interested in it, that it may it's not it is magical, but not magical in that you don't do anything. Well, in every success book I've ever read, whether it's Jack Canfield or Tony Robbins, they say if you want to meet your goals, first thing you gotta do is one, know what they are, but two, write it down on a piece of paper. And they've done studies. The yes. people that write those those goals down on a piece of paper means that they're more likely to attain those goals. What's the thing, the react, uh, the reactivity thing, where you, when you think about something, you see it more often? Reticular activating system? The reticular activating system, which is a psychological concept that if, like, say you want to get pregnant and mm. you're thinking about being pregnant, you tend to see a lot more pregnant women. Yeah. You want to buy a red car, you see a lot more red cars. My point of this is this is if we want something and we know what it is, then we pay closer attention to mm. that. We see it more. So what got kind of jammed up in the secret was that it was something that you didn't have to do anything, you didn't have to work, you didn't right. have, and that's not what it is. No. Um, but there is also a mist. this is where I just, I have to put this out there because this is really what I believe. I don't understand how the world works 100%. Did you know that, Todd? I do. There is a mystery and a mysticism that I don't have my arms around and I don't think any of us do. I always rely on what, you know, Joseph Campbell said about that death and life beyond us, our brains don't even have the capacity to handle it. Mm. So we don't have access to it. So there's part of me that has a sense of freedom about there is something mysterious, and you can call it God or spirit. I don't know, but I also believe that while I'm a human on earth, 
I enjoy that mystical realm and I love angels and I love spirit guides. I love all of that, but I'm also living on earth right now. Well, and scientists will say the exact same they thing will. to you. If you talk to, you know, I know very little about quantum mechanics, but there's certain questions that these scientists cannot figure out that there's something behind certain way that particles behave. They don't have a freaking clue and they call it mystical. They do. It's just it just makes no sense, and there's no data or tests that you can figure out to explain something. Quantum physics in itself, if you just want to have a really good time and like learn about the un, un understandable that's mm-hmm. not the right word. The, I, I'll just use your word, the mystical. If mm-hmm. you just want to like look at something that is based in physics but helps you understand in the, the mysteriousness yeah. of where we are, and but what people do then is then they take that too far, sure, and and Maybe not. Like I've had experiences in my life that are kind of unexplainable and hard to rationalize. And I've been like, whoa, that was, but I don't try to impose that on the rest of the world. That's my experience. I don't walk around saying everybody needs to have this experience or they're not living. There are very personal experiences that are mine. And I also, at the very same time, understand, like, this is the last thing I'll say, because I, I like to explain this in many different ways. In yoga, initially, yogis were taught you need to move beyond your body because anything in your body, you should be beyond your body and you should just live in the spirit world. And more contemporary yogis are like, you know what? We shouldn't want to not live in our body. How can we kind of appreciate the spirit world but live in our body on earth? It's a little just like Forrest saying, I think it's both. Mm -hmm. That root to rise, be be a human on earth Appreciate the mystical, but also trust science. Well, be a spiritual being having a human experience, right? Absolutely. Not a human being having a spiritual experience. I don't know who said that. We learned it from Wayne, but Wayne didn't come up with it. There's a lot of people it gets attributed to. I'm sure there's one person and maybe people will tell us. But I mean, Todd, that's really the gist of it. And and we did not do the show to be like to it, well what we did is we've been wanting to talk about this for a long time. Sure. And it's not simple. I mean, people could do f- full-on podcasts and talk about this for a year, and there's no simple... Um, Sweetie, we didn't get to any of my theories, and that's okay. Well, what are your theories? Let's I just, hear it. Not theories, but I just Googled conspiracy theories. Okay. And we're not going to talk about them, but um, Area 51. Yeah. Did you hear this one? Truman Capote wrote Harper Lee's famous novel, To Kill a Mockingbird. Well, he's in it, and he was her best friend, but he didn't write it. Well, don't tell that to conspiracy theorists, sweetie. Well, I mean. um, Roswell, New Mexico is famous center for the UFO-focused conspiracy theories. JFK, we talked about that. Bigfoot, uh, Loch Ness Monster, sure. Jim, Jimmy, Hoffa, Jimmy Hoffa, the CIA killed Bob Marley. Hotel California was about devil worship. Hmm. Michael Hutchinson died of erotic asphyxiation. Isn't that true? Mm-mm. Oh. Oh, well, see, there's a conspiracy theory I had bought into. How do you die? Uh, I don't know. There's no evidence to say that he did that, oh, though. Oh, interesting. Stevie Wonder isn't blind. Oh. Courtney Love was involved with Kurt Cobain's death. Yeah, I don't, never believed that. And then good old Jim Morrison, one of my personas, uh, he didn't die in a bathtub, sweetie. He's Where still, did he he's still walking die? around. Actually, there's. Uh, they say that he died at the nightclub, but they didn't want him to do that, so they just plopped him in the in the uh, tub and then said that. Well, and people say up. that Elvis, same thing, right? The number one, Elvis is still alive. Yeah. Well, and can you understand why someone would want to believe that? If that's Elvis their... is awesome, exactly. he's the bomb diggity. And the thing is, is here we have, you know, we have the and and this also is because of shows that we watch and movies that we watch about conspiracy theories and you know doctored evidence and you know and some of it. 
like we then watch a movie like Spotlight or mm. the or the Post or and you know, I'm, and they're worth things that they did. Well, without proper investigation, God bless freedom of the press. Right. It's a whole nother podcast, but... Well, and this is the thing, is that one of the things that uh, John Oliver talks about that I want you guys to listen to is he talks about there's actually a statistic as far as that there are things that have happened that if people hadn't questioned it, we yeah. we would have never found out. So that link to the whole John Oliver thing is going to be in the show notes. So if you're listening to this from your phone, just scroll up on your phone a little bit and click on the YouTube link. But the statistic basically, it breaks down to how many people would have to keep it quiet. Because basically, if... You know, if there's a certain number of people, like the moon landing, you mm. know, people are like, we didn't really land on the moon. Do you know how many people would have to stay quiet? Yeah. And, this, the hum- and I can tell you this from, you know, understanding human beings and working with people. The reason that, like, murderers or people who have harmed people or, you know, people, pedophiles, end up, like, being caught is they can't keep it inside. They break their silence. They either... Mm-hmm. own up to it or they tell somebody the police officers will always say they'll tell somebody mm-hmm. they someone always tells somebody something my point is is that's what makes the statistic you know like if only if this many people knew about it there's no way yeah. that that would stay quiet and so the one of the last things about conspiracy is how plausible is this conspiracy as a practical matter? Like there are some things that were kept quiet because it was like in contained in one certain area, mm-hmm. but these things where people say this is like this broad global, think about how many people would have to be involved and stay quiet. It doesn't make sense. And again, as I say this, there are people listening who go, oh, Kathy, Sweetie, you're, you're duped. I'm reading World Weekly News. Oh, good. Let's go back to World Weekly News. I was News. Bigfoot's love slave. Yes. Well. It's likely. Um... Alien Bible found. I mean, I can keep going. Bigfoot refuses to go to re- rehab. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to laugh, but... Well, this is why... Do you remember when we used to buy my dad these papers? A 500-foot Jesus appears at the UN. How come? I don't know. Um, 45-pound human toothpick weds a 400-pound man. Well... A toothpick meaning a person who's skinny, not like a toothpick. I, I think it's a person who's skinny. Okay. Uh, a lot of alien stuff. Yeah. Obama appointed a Martian ambassador, oh. and they have a picture of the Martian. Oh my God, I haven't heard Brian. Martian in a really long time. <laughs> Martian just means someone from Mars, right? Elvis told Lisa Marie to divorce Michael. Oh, well. Oh my God, the world's smallest face? Just, just Google it. Well, so I just, I wanted to, you know, give my dad some props because when he would tell me that people would believe certain things, I didn't believe him. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, next to Weekly World News, you know what it says when it's describing it? Supernatural, paranormal, tabloid, and satire. Hmm. So even they were owning up to the fact this is satire. It's a little like The Onion. They sold a lot of those papers. They sure did. Um, So everybody, I hope that this was maybe just a, a way to think about why people believe in conspiracies, a way to approach people who believe in conspiracies, especially if it's hurting other people, like not wearing a mask or, and sometimes it's not conspiracy. Some people aren't wearing a mask because they believe their rights are infringed upon. It's not always the, but it's a way to approach the uh, conversation and also understand why people believe it. Sure. And having some compassion, but also some ability to speak up about it. So this is our version of speaking up. 
Um, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. If you guys are looking for a contractor, look no further. Jeremy Kraft, 630-956-1800, avico.net. Uh, I do coaching one-on-one, so if there's any guys out there, I coach guys. Uh, and then I do men's group, trymensgroup.org. We'd love to uh, have you check us out. Uh, that's it. Have a good one, guys. See you next week. Adios.